So for those who are keeping score, um, back on January 20th, that's the uh, Sunday that we had the snowstorm and we canceled church. First time in 20 years in my uh, ministry that we've had to cancel church. Um, and uh, uh, that day I posted a, uh, a little prayer service and a message on the, uh, on the internet on 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talked about spiritual gifts and how spiritual gifts are for the building up of the body of Christ. Then on January 27th, we were still in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about what it means to be the body of Christ and how we're intended to be together and that we're connected in Christ. And then on February 3rd, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, uh, talking about how love is desiring God's good for others and then acting upon that desire. And now today, February 10th, we're in 1 Corinthians 14, and we're back to spiritual gifts and love and talking about innocence and maturity. And just as kind of an aside, anyone want to guess what we're going to read next week? First Corinthians 15. Just kind of working our way through here. Um, it's, it's almost like they all go together or something. I don't know. So Paul digs into today's topic by talking about speaking in tongues. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to guess that uh, there are a lot of us here who do not have a lot of experience with speaking in tongues. Generally, uh, we observe two meanings uh, to this phrase. One might speak in a language that, uh, that one has never studied or learned, but in an incredible moment uh, where the Spirit of God comes upon that person, uh, he, is given, he or she is given words to uh, proclaim the gospel, to share the love of Jesus with somebody else. Think Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. The Spirit comes upon the apostles. They start speaking, and everybody understands in their native language. doesn't matter where they came from. That's speaking in tongues. The second one, uh, it, it's, it's more like a, uh, it's more personal. And it, it's, it's individual. As an individual speaks in what we would call an ecstatic worshipful, heavenly prayer language. You notice how vague I am with this? It's because there's a lot of vagueness about it. Um, and that's what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, remember that the big problem in Corinth was that people were more focused on their gifts making comparisons to other Christians uh, and their personal impressiveness than they were with loving one another and, and, and building up the body, building up the church. So in this context, can you see how it might be perfectly possible to look impressive in the congregation by faking speaking in tongues, which no one can understand anyhow? It would be possible to, to rattle off a bunch of gibberish, to look more spiritual than the next guy. You know, and who would be the wiser? So Paul says here that there should be an interpreter and, and that the experience should build up the church instead of driving wedges between believers or, or puffing up our own sense of, uh, of importance. 
And you might be looking at me thinking, well, that's pretty cynical, Pastor. Why, yes, yes, it is. But please notice, please, that I did not say that this gift of tongues is not real. I'm not saying that at all. Would you like to know why I, I think that this is actually a real gift? Because Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, just told us that it's a real gift. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So I believe that it is. And, and, and I think, and I want you to notice again, I have moved into opinion here. And I could very well be spectacularly wrong about this. But I think that this speaking in tongues is akin to Romans chapter 8 verse 26. When Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because sometimes we just don't know what to pray. And so the Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for human understanding. What do I mean? I mean that sometimes our emotions are so overwhelmed that we can't speak. I remember one time I was on a fishing trip and uh, one of the guys that we were with, he was having so much trouble with his tackle, his gear, his boat, his car. I mean, it, he was having a really, really bad trip. And I don't remember what the, the, the final straw was, but he became so angry that, that he just flat out couldn't speak. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but you know, he was grunting, puffing, groaning, yelling, and not a single intelligible word came out of his mouth. And I think that what Paul is talking about here is similar, but holy. A similar, but holy version of that. That overwhelmed by God's love and blessing, a person would lack words and the Spirit would supply them. Or on the other hand, so filled with compassion at the hurts of others and, and God's call to love our neighbors that words would fail. So the Spirit turns the groaning into meaning that God understands. If I'm right, and I think that I am, otherwise I wouldn't be saying this, right? That is a beautiful gift. And it's a gift that humbles the speaker because he or she is dependent on the Spirit and then the whole experience builds up the body of Christ because the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. But if it becomes a show or an act that, that fills a person with, with pride over their brothers and sisters, you know, there's nothing that the devil can't twist to his advantage. And the human sinful heart loves to be thought glorious. So Paul puts some guidelines around using these spiritual gifts. They're to be used in love. Love for God and love for our neighbor. So they should build people up. They should build up the, the church. This is true of the impressive gifts that uh, Paul talks about, you know, like tongues and healings and miracles and all of those things. But it's also true of the gifts that we should that we sometimes consider more mundane, like hospitality, 
service, mercy, and the like. They are to build up the body. Well, how do you know that it builds up the body? Because it's pointing people back to Jesus. It's helping people experience his mercy, his love, his salvation. It reminds people in some way about our Savior. All the gifts, all the love, all the words, all the actions, they are meant to help people know, love, and follow Jesus. All the things that Paul has been writing about in 1 Corinthians, when you get down to it, it's really about gathering people to Christ, building believers in Christ, and serving the world as Christ. I hope that's a familiar phrase. That's our mission statement. Just in different words from what Paul is saying, but it's, it is what he's saying. That that's what we're here for. That's what our gifts are for. And if it's not clear that the words, the actions, the studying, the praying, the serving, the giving, the leadership, whatever it is, if it's not clear that it's about Jesus, then its value is diminished. This is what he was talking about, Paul was talking about last week. You know, if I have not love, I'm a resounding gong, just an empty noise. And if those things become about personal prestige, the value is lost. That's why Paul urges us in this reading to, be, to not be children in our thinking. Infants in evil, yes, but mature in our thinking. We should be clear in our thinking, examining our hearts, investigating our motives, returning over and over and over again to God's law to examine ourselves, to his word, to show us the way. This is the hard road of repentance, turning away from sin to live holy lives in Christ's forgiveness. We need thought and maturity to recognize the deceptions of the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. Have you ever felt the way that your heart tries to justify everything that you do and everything that you want? And if you really sit back and think about it, you know, this is not something that God desires. But I do. It takes some maturity to, to recognize that. It takes some spiritual thought to recognize this inclination to turn God's word to our advantage and, and to turn our works into something that gives us puffed up pride. To recognize that in our hearts and also in the hearts of others. And yes, we should recognize sin in others just as we recognize it in ourselves. We recognize it in others, not in order to judge them and to put ourselves in a place above them, but to help them to recognize. This is love, people, to help them to recognize when they have walked away from God's path. Self-justification is spiritual poison. There's only one justification that, that actually works with God. 
And it's the forgiveness and salvation that Jesus won for us on the cross. So our spiritual maturity will actually lead us to greater dependence on Jesus, which translate into other fruits in our lives, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. This maturity and dependence leads to, to greater recognition of our sin and deeper longing for Jesus, for his forgiveness, for his salvation. It desires for the Holy Spirit to shape us, to form us, to help us to live lives that are innocent in God's sight. But innocence is, it's a pretty tough standard, isn't it? The image here that Paul provides is of a baby. Almost universally, babies are seen as innocent. People who should be protected. They're absolutely dependent. And at least, you know, by human standards, innocent, without guilt. They didn't ask to be conceived. They didn't ask to be born. And they have no knowledge of evil other than their general selfishness. Once that innocence is lost, can it be regained? In human terms, the answer is no. As the saying goes, you can't unring a bell. But with God, all things are possible. Be infants in evil. Jesus says that unless we are born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. He's not talking about a a second physical birth, but he's talking about being born of the Spirit, being born again. This is what happens in our baptism. An old sinner goes down into the water, but a new person is born there, a child of God, washed in baptism, washed of all of our sins and renewed in the image of God. Every time we repent and confess our sin, we go right back to our baptism, to the promises that we received there when our sins were washed away and a new person was born. We became new again and we become new again. Almost like being big babies. Born again in Christ. Innocent in regard to evil, but growing in maturity of faith as the Spirit works in us. Keep growing, listening to God's word, receiving the sacraments, because that's where God works to help us to grow and to mature. Exercise your faith by walking in God's ways, which will bring you back to him for forgiveness, for salvation. But be innocent in regard to evil. Have nothing to do with it just like a big baby who has been born again in Christ. Amen.